Thank you so much. Well, good morning, church. How are we? You're looking well? It's good? Uh, hey, Ori, um, I really want to start this morning by thanking Pastor Daryl and Tracy and Mark and the team for the opportunity to be able to speak with you for a few minutes this morning about the work of compassion, the Christ-centred, church-based, child-focused organisation who've been releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name for over 70 years. But look, as well as thanking uh, Pastor Daryl and Mark, I also want to take a moment to celebrate with you, church. I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but as families and individuals within Sunnybank District Baptist Church, you guys are right now in this moment helping to see almost 200 children be released from a life of poverty. That's amazing. Thank you. On behalf of Compassion, I want to say thank you, Sunnybank Baptist, for your partnership. Thank you for your support. And thank you for your generosity. I also want to say that if you are currently sponsoring a child or you have done in the past, thank you for your support. You really are making a difference in the life of that child. But not only are you making a difference in the life of that child, you're also inspiring their family and empowering and resourcing their local church as well. So how does it work? What does your sponsorship look like on the ground? I think the easiest way I can describe the child sponsorship model that Compassion has in how it works is it's like a, like a supercharged Sunday school on a Saturday. I think that's the easiest way I could describe it because on a Saturday morning, there might be two or three or four hundred children from a local community that gather in their local church where they receive their meals. It's where they receive their medical care, their dental care, their, their uh, education, make sure they're enrolled in school if they need tutoring. And then they break up into age-appropriate groups where they learn about things like stranger danger and hygiene and how to have healthy relationships. But most importantly, every Saturday morning, that's where these children from the community, they hear about Jesus. Because the truth is, is that Good food, shelter, health care, that'll keep these children alive. But only Jesus Christ can give these children life. And that is why compassion is Christ-centred and church-based. We want every single child who is registered in the program, every single child who is sponsored to have an opportunity to learn about Jesus and be enrolled in the holistic discipleship program that Compassion offers. But does it work? Does sponsoring a child really make that much of a difference in their life? I want to play you a video right now of some uh, adults 
who as children, they went through the Compassion Program. And they were asked to sit down and write a letter back to their sponsors to let them know how sponsorship helped them and changed their life. So if we could play that first video, thanks, about the letters. We're here today and we are gonna ask you to write one last letter to your sponsor from all those years ago, just catching them up on, uh, on who you are today. Dear Brian, name me Clark. It has been 21 years since I graduated from the Compassion Center. The day I found out that you had become my sponsor was one of the best days of my life. At first it was unbelievable that somebody wanted to help us. People told us that we will never be somebody in this life. Not one person I knew believed in me and poverty was my forever reality. But your decision to sponsor me changed all that. We knew for sure we will be receiving practical benefits like food, medical care, school supplies, and new uniforms every year. I got my first ever gift, which was my first pair of shoes. But there were some things we didn't expect. Learning about Jesus changed my perspective and helped me make good decisions. Or see my church reach out to my community and see it change. In your first letter, you told me the phrase, we love you. It was the first time I ever heard that. You gave me an opportunity to believe, hope, and dream again. If only you knew how your prayers made a huge difference. From not being expected to complete primary school, I now teach in one of the best schools in inner city London. Jesus saved us and saved my dad. I want you to know it made a difference. Sponsorship changed who I am today. My family's life has changed for the better. If only you knew how much all you did impacted me, you'd be so proud of who I have become. Ten years ago, when you stood beside me as the best man in my wedding, it was one of the highlights of my life. You did it, Jan. We did it. Thank you for pouring into me and sponsoring me. Thank you. Thank you. Sincerely, Maria Momohara. Sincerely, Owen Getanga. Sincerely, Liz Riera. With love, Sandy Mike. That video always, it always impacts me when we hear the time, the phrases. People told us we would never be somebody in this life. Not one person I knew believed in me. When you wrote in your letter, we love you, that was the first time I had heard that phrase. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? It's hard to imagine children growing up with that kind of internal narrative, that kind of voice being spoken over their life time and time again. But the sad reality is for a lot of these children that are growing up in extreme poverty, that is exactly what they are being told every day of their life. That they don't matter. That they're a burden on their family. They're a burden on society. That they have no future. That they have no hope. They just don't matter. But then compassion comes alongside the local church that's already operating in their community and introduces these children to a sponsor. 
Someone like you, someone like me, who begins to write letters to these children and financially support them and encourage them with, with letting them know that they do matter, that they matter to God and they matter to us. And a hope begins to rise within them that really is more powerful than the poverty that surrounds them. I tell you, church, we really do have the potential to make a difference in the lives of these children. And my understanding is that as a church, your theme for 2023 is to show concern for others at every opportunity. And that really excites me because when I look across this room this morning, I see a room full of people who have the potential to not only show concern for these children growing up in extreme poverty, but an opportunity to change their life forever. Why do I believe that? Why do I believe that we are a room full of people who have the potential to make a difference in the lives of these children? It's because we are the church. We are the church that Jesus said he would build. We are the church that the Bible describes as the bride of Christ, the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We're a house of prayer for all nations. And in Ephesians 3, chapter 10, in Christ, we as the church, we are described as God's method, God's vehicle, God's way of showing the world who he is. Ephesians chapter 3, it says that his intent was now through the church. God's intent was now through the church, not through the government, not through a special ministry or minister, but through the church. The manifold, the diverse, the varied, the many faceted wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I think that tells us pretty clearly that through Christ as the church, we are the people that God has chosen to partner with to show a broken and hurting world who he is. Let me say that again. That through Christ as the church, we are the people that God has chosen to partner with to show the world who he is, to show a broken and hurting humanity, his love, his kindness, his compassion. So how do we do it as the church? How do we show the world God's kindness? How do we show the world God's compassion? How do we show the world who he is? Well, I guess obviously there's many different ways that we can do that. But one that I want to look at today is like we just read, found in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. And the reason I want to talk about the story of the Good Samaritan this morning is because I think it's one of, if not the most well-known Bible verses and Bible stories, even outside of church world. 
I think if you stopped anybody in the street and asked them, what should the church be like? What should a Christian be like? They would probably say something like, well, a bit like Jesus or a bit like the Good Samaritan. It's a very well-known Bible story. And it's almost seen both in the church and outside of the church as like the gold standard of love in action, reflecting who God is. And when we look at that story in Luke chapter 10, like we just read, a man was going down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by robbers. He was stripped of his clothes, beaten and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out that two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. I just want to pray for a moment. Father, I pray that you open our eyes today. Father, I pray you open our ears. Father, help us to understand what you want to say to our hearts this morning. Show us, Lord, how we can represent you more. Show us how, as the church, we can help a hurting and broken community get to know you more and help these children in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but whenever I read this story, through the eyes of partnering with God to show a broken and hurting community, a broken humanity, children living in extreme poverty, how to help them. There's always two thoughts that come to my mind. And the first one, the first way I believe that we can show a, a hurting world who God is, is number one, we need to take them on a journey. We need to take people on a journey. Verse 33 says, But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. I love that thought, that he came where the man was. In other words, he saw the hurting and the broken and he came where he was and met him exactly where he was at. I've always loved how Jesus... When I read about Jesus in the Gospels, I love how Jesus gathered his disciples and his followers. It was nearly always through just a simple invitation of come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me and I'll show you what the kingdom of God is like. Come follow me and I'll teach you what forgiveness is all about. Come follow me and I'll show you how you too can show a hurting world how to help them, how to bring change in their life. Come follow me and I'll show you the Father's heart towards you and towards others. And I am so glad 
that when I was a 23-year-old broken young man, feeling like this man on the side of the road, feeling beat up, feeling ripped off, feeling overlooked and undervalued. I'm so glad that at that point, Jesus invited me on a journey. He invited me on a journey of healing. He invited me on a journey of forgiveness, of restoration. And he met me where I was at and took me on a journey. And I believe that some people here this morning, you need to hear that. You need to know that Jesus has taken you on a journey still. You're not overlooked. You're not forgotten. Even in your pain, even in your mess, Jesus is still wanting to invite you on your journey. And I believe that's the first way that as a church we can show a broken and hurting humanity who God is, is we need to invite them on a journey and take them on a journey. And the second thing I believe that we need to show a broken and hurting humanity is who God is, is before we can even take them on a journey, we need to, number two, choose to engage. Choose to engage. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down that same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. See, I believe to be the church, be the people that God has parted with to help a broken and hurting humanity. We need to not just sympathise with people's pain. We need to not just have empathy for people's pain. We actually need to engage in that pain. We need to engage in that need. We need to engage with the hurting people that we come across. I remember a podcast that I heard years ago. It was a leadership podcast by a guy called John Maxwell. And even though it was a leadership principle, I believe it's exactly the same as, as followers of Jesus, where he said that anyone can dazzle from a distance, but we can only ever really impact people up close. And what he meant by that in this story is the priest and the Levite, they would have looked dazzling in that moment. Their religious robes, their scroll under their arm, having their Bible knowledge, having their reputation. They would have looked dazzling. But from the other side of the road, made zero impact on helping that man in need. But the Samaritan, by choosing to engage, by choosing to help that hurting and broken man, he was the one that made the impact. By choosing to engage, he was the one who was displaying the true heart of God in that moment. And that's what we have the opportunity to do when we help these children. We have an opportunity to engage. I remember when I was in grade one at school, six years old, a friend of mine invited me to a, his house for a swim. 
And you've got to understand, in the early 80s in Toowoomba, where I'm from, anybody who had a backyard swimming pool, they were the cool kids. They were the kids that had tuck shop every week. They were the ones that had the cool toys. They were the people that everyone wanted to be friends with. So when this guy invited me to his house for a swim, I was like, absolutely, let's do it. So we got to his house that day and he got changed and he's swimming around and, and I got changed and I went to jump in the pool and his mother said to me, oh, do you know how to swim? Because I've got some floaties if you like. Who remembers those big yellow blow up floaties? She said, I've got some floaties if you like. I said, no, no, it's okay. I know how to swim. Because by that point in my life, I'd had two swimming lessons. <laughs> so I thought, I know how to swim. So I ran and I jumped in that pool and I found out very quickly that I did not know how to swim. <laughs> and I was just kicking and thrashing frantically, trying to keep my head above water. And I reckon I kept myself up for about 15 seconds. Felt like about an hour and a half, but I reckon it was about 15 seconds and I actually sank to the bottom of that pool. Luckily, my friend's big brother, he saw what was going on. So he ran and he dived in that pool fully clothed and he pulled me out and sat me on the edge of the pool and I was bawling my eyes out. My whole life had flashed before my eyes, all six years of it. <laughs> and needless to say, I spent the rest of the afternoon splashing around in the shallow end of the pool with these big yellow floaties all over me. But the reason I tell you that story is because when I was in that moment in the middle of the pool, there was literally nothing I could do to get myself out of that situation. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the skills. I needed somebody to engage in that situation and come alongside of me and lift me up. I didn't need someone on the side of the pool yelling out advice. I didn't need someone praying that God would send somebody to help me. I needed somebody in that moment to engage with me. And that is exactly what happens when you and I choose to sponsor a child. We're saying to these children, I see your pain. I see your struggle. And I'm not going to walk by on the other side, but I'm going to come alongside of you. I'm going to write letters to you. I'm going to financially support you. And I'm going to lift your life up to a better place. That is what happens when we choose to engage. That is showing a broken and hurting humanity who God is. And that is taking the opportunity to show concern for others. I just want to finish with a video of a man called Richmond Wandera and his story of what child sponsorship meant to him and how it changed his life forever. If we can play that video, thanks. My father was taken away from us, and by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. My mother had no job, my father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof, it was a tin roof that had holes in it. That was a night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets placed just where the holes in the roof are and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day, that this was life. 
poverty began to speak to me as a child. I thought I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. And her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. That ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me. To hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spent a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in, it's deep. My name is Richmond Wandera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. I love Richmond's story. Sponsorship works. It releases these children from poverty. And I think sponsoring a child, it's $48 a month, a bit less than $1.60 a day. I don't know, for me and my family, we've chosen to sponsor three children. We've got John and Princess in the Philippines and little Jose in Dominican Republic. And Do you know what it costs me to sponsor those three children and make sure that their life has changed forever, to make sure they have food, clothing, education, that they learn about Jesus? It costs me less than $5 a day to sponsor those three children. Less than one cup of coffee a day. And the good news is, is I still have my cup of coffee every day. I mean, God's got a way of doing that, doesn't he? When we choose to step out and help others in need, God has a way of increasing our capacity. We've got a bunch of children that are in desperate need of sponsorship at the table today. 
And we would love to give you an opportunity to consider sponsoring one. I know many of you already sponsor a child. Thank you. Thank you. But who knows? Maybe you've got room for one more. One more child to eat from your table. One more child for you to come alongside and help. Thank you, Sunnybank Baptist. At Compassion, we are so, so grateful for your partnership. Thank you, church. Please come and talk to myself and Mark at the table afterwards. That'll be wonderful. Thank you, Dean. Before you head off, I'd love to pray for you and you. Uh, the work of compassion. Why don't you join me as I pray for Dean and also for us. Lord God, I just thank you for Dean and the work of compassion. I pray, God, that each and every child would indeed uh, grow to know you, know your love for them. And uh, I pray that you would be with each one of their families as well and that within their community, God, they would uh, be able to know your light and then shine it onto others. So I pray for Dean and the work of all of the people in Compassion. And now, Lord, I just pray for us as a church. I pray, God, that for every person here, that their week would be focused on you, on how they could serve you. And I pray, God, that you would bring each one of us your peace uh, as we go about your work. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you.